Welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by APT Capital Group, where Kyle and Lalita talk to top experts and seasoned passive investors in the business to help provide clarity and key insights to keep you safe on your journey to financial freedom. Our goal is to help you get educated on how to create passive income for you and your family using real estate as your vehicle. If you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. Now, here are your hosts, Kyle and Lolita. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Lolita, also joined by Kyle. Before we get started, please make sure to head over to our website, www.limitless-estates.com, and grab our free Passive Investor's Guide. And if you're interested in learning more about what we do, you can schedule a call with Kyle on our website as well. All right, now let's get into our show. On today's show, we have Rafi Mizrahi joining us. Welcome to the show, Rafi. How's it going? Thank you. Thank you very much for hosting me. I'm very excited. Awesome. Well, before we head into the interview, here is a little bit about Rafi. Rafi got introduced to real estate by two very different vehicles. One, getting fired from his full-time IT job due to the crisis in Israel. And secondly, was introduced to the ever-so-famous book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. After two years of buying properties in Israel, Rafi shifted gears and started buying in the U.S. and developed a system for buying real estate abroad by using just a computer and phone. After over 300 transactions consisting of fix and flips, wholesaling and buy and hold, Rafi shifted to the more scalable approach and focus on multifamily and now has syndicated almost 800 total units. So Rafi, I know you have a great story and I know you have a strong message to our audience. So I'll have you take it from here and tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you currently do. All right. All right. First, you uh, introduce me better than I introduce myself. <laughs> uh, you know. So thank you. So you kind of said that. I was on the same path as most people, like employees, you know, thinking that they can provide their family the best by, you know, working hard, trying to get the salary higher from maybe switching companies or switching positions. And I thought the same way, you know, I was raised this way. It's, it's actually like in Rich Dad with that book. We all do that, right? We all been, we are educated about how to provide our family through being in play. I was surprised and I got fired. I actually proposed my wife on Friday night. And on when the weekend end, I came to work and they called everybody and they said that they are closing the company. So I was like, oh my God, I just proposed because I felt like I'm the right path and now I need to find a job. And I didn't find a job for half a year, which was frustrating. How can it be, right? I knew my strengths. I knew I'm a hard worker. I knew I can do it, but no job interviews. And I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and uh, you know, it blew my mind. But I got to do it. I got to start the real estate journey. And I didn't know how to do it. And I did what uh, most people do when they want to, let's say they want to go to work. They, you know, they go to university. So I did what I, I knew before. So I went to learn about real estate and start buying in Israel for two years. But Israel is very expensive market. You know, the land is very expensive. There is a lot of tax here in Israel and the returns didn't make sense to work. And it's a small country. So to find motivated sellers in Israel, it was hard. And I heard about the crash in the States, which in Israel, we didn't feel that. So I said, I got to shift to there. There is a say when the, sorry about the say, but 
when there is a blood in the street, right? So there is opportunity. So I thought maybe that's where I should go. And I started uh, looking at single family homes in the state. I can continue. Do you have any question or just... Yeah, let's keep going into your background a little bit. And then I'll kind of dig in after you tell your kind of story. Okay. All right. So I wanted to start buying in the state, but I didn't know anything about how to buy houses in the States. I did know that you are so lucky because in America, it's a strong economy. Even when there is a crash, you recover very fast. If you look at other states in Europe, you know, when they crash like Greece, it took them time and still they are not recovered. So I knew I want to be in that market, but I didn't know how to do it. And again, Americans are lucky because they have bigger pockets, uh, so many information available. And it's in English, right? Which is a, a common uh, language. So I start talking with investors, management companies, attorneys, trying to figure this out, how to do it from Israel. And I realized that, you know, people from California investing in Vegas or invest in Florida. So if they can do it, I can do it too. I just need to understand how they do it. So I started picking their brain too. And I bought the first house in Orlando and, you know, fix it up, rent it. It wasn't really a clean process, but it was okay. The rehab was a little bit higher than before. And that's where after I did the first deal, I felt more comfortable with the process and what I need to adjust and the team that I need to adjust and start buying houses. And the more I did it, I discovered more options to do real estate. You know, again, Americans are so lucky. You don't know how much you are lucky. You have rent to own. You have a seller financing. You can buy a mortgage and be the bank. You can uh, fix and flip wholesaling. You don't have wholesaling in Israel. You have multifamily, so many niches. So the more I did it, the more I discovered more ways to do real estate. And I tried, I did fix and flip. I did wholesaling at one point where I said, okay, if a wholesaler can do it from virtual, Again, I can do it from Israel. So I learned about it and did it. So overall, I did like 300 transactions, most in starting in Orlando, but shifted to Cleveland and did it in Cleveland. And at the end of 2017, I decided that I want to go after my dream, which is to do big things. And I heard about multifamily and I said, I got to do it. So I switched to multifamily. And the reason is because I wanted to scale up. I wanted to do big things. And before I thought multifamily is only for rich people, right? You got to come with a lot of money. That's how you do it. But I heard that uh, I saw people like me working in their job and doing multifamily. I said, if they can do it, I can do it too. And joined a group, learned about how to do it, was a part from the first deal as a money raiser, learned a lot about it, and then started doing deals on my own. At 766 units now, although I sold two properties, Last week, finished uh, two cycles, and I was just in Atlanta for due diligence for 216 units, which is my biggest deal. I'm excited you know, to work on that. That's an amazing story. And I want to start by talking a little bit about, you know, there's a lot of people with mindsets out there that say, oh, investing even out of state is difficult. You know, I live in California. I can't invest in another state. How did you get over the mindset of investing from another country, right? How long is the flight from Israel to the States? If you take from the time you leave the house, 24 hours. Right. That's a big undertaking, obviously. So what was your kind of mindset there with understanding that, look, this is we're out of country, we're investing out of country, not just out of your state? 
So I think first is the mindset of I can do anything. Nothing is really impossible. It's all in your head. It's the story you tell yourself. Once you realize that, then you can do it. For example, at the beginning, I thought about $8 million deal. is uh, It's crazy. And now I'm thinking about 20 and I know I'm aiming for 40 and 50. And it's all about the story you tell yourself. But when you see others doing it, I think that's us as human. When we see somebody who is just like us doing it, you say, if he can do it, I can do it too. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's also to be and to inspire people and tell them that if I can do it from Israel, any American, any Israeli, anybody from Europe, Australia can do it. It's about the mindset, like you said. What type of team did you have to build to be able to do 300 transactions in the States? And now what type of team do you have with your multifamily assets? So at the beginning, I started by something I call one-stop shop. It's something the Americans say to that too. But then I realized it's not a good idea. You want to have like a process and people that oversee the process. Meaning if there is a contractor, you need to have a rehab manager. Right. So a project manager that will check everything. So in the single family space, I had a few people in the team. There was a management company. There was an agent. There was a contract. There was an inspection. There was a project manager. If the rehab was once I started doing a fix and flip and title and attorney. So everyone has his part in the team. And there was a process that I was working in in the multifamily space. I have a management company. I have an analyst now because I understand, you know, the market is tough. So if I were underwrite deals, I will not be able to do it. You need to do it full time. So I have an analyst. He's underwriting two to three deals a day. He's working hard and we make one to uh, two offers a week. And I have also an asset manager that I just hired a management company that I have a great relationship, which is very key. It's a really a, a key in the process to have a management company that can tool property for you, especially when you are not local and that has a good reputation. Because in real estate, bad management company will make the deal. You can buy it very cheap in a very good price, but it will go south and Mm -hmm. the deal will not work. So you got to have a good management company. So that's a key. Of course, an attorney that understands securities and and also... uh, you know, the real estate, uh, the PSA and et cetera. What else do I have? And I think that's it. Okay. And so are you the lead sponsor on all your deals or what role do you play in your, in your so company with multifamily? It, so I was a co-sponsor in some of the deals and some of them I'm the lead. In this deal that I'm doing, I'm the lead, the 216. I'm checking also now, I'm trying to, I'm working with private equity funds to check if they will invest in the deal. So I'm trying to look this route now. I actually have a call in a few hours with one to check if they would like to participate. So um, yeah, I'm the least sponsor to the question. Okay. Yeah. And so are you doing this with a full-time job now? I know you said you lost your job and you did not have a job for six months. Is this something that you do full-time now or is this still with yeah. a full-time job? Yeah. No, no. I <laughs> I didn't look back. I burned all the bridges. Okay. That's how I do things. I always, when I decide something, I'm very persistent. I burn the bridges and go be consistent until I achieve it. So no, I'm, I'm a real estate professional. I do that all the time. Although I'm, I look at this more as a business owner. I know people, you know, when they do real estate, they work in the real estate, meaning they are, you know, doing everything. I prefer thinking about it as a business owner. So I always aim to build a business and not a job. I don't want to work. That's why 
I brought an analyst because it's a lot of work and it's a time consuming. So I'm paying an analyst to do it. And once the deal works out, I take it from there. Got it. And so tell us about your process working in Israel, obviously the time difference there. What does your schedule look like? How do you deal with the time difference and being across seas? So first of all, for me, there is, like I said, everything is possible. So I don't care about the time. I don't hold back for any excuses. So I wake up at the 6, 5.36, you know, prepare myself, started, you know, preparing kids for school, take them to school. I work out every day, trying to do every day. So, you know, I have time with myself. And then I'm also the top mentor in Israel. I teach people how to buy houses. I have more than 1,300 students here in Israel. So I focus on, on that in the morning running the business. I'm not the one who's doing the marketing. I'm not the one who's doing the sales. So I'm running the business and working with my analyst who lives here, like an hour a day to check what properties have we underwrote, where we are, like reviewing the deals we underwrote. I spend time with the kids, bringing them from school. And then in the afternoon, I'm jumping on calls with brokers, the management company, whatever we need. I'm closing my day at 12 p.m., that's the time I close the computer and go. But if I need, I will stay two o'clock. I'm the one who decides the schedule. So, but I keep myself open. Got it. And how are you sourcing most of your deals? Obviously, you know, in this type of market, broker relationships are important. Getting face to face is important. Have you seen challenges by not being able to get face to face as much as you'd like? First, I travel. I take the time and the flight and I travel. It's the same like you guys. For you, it's three hours. Five hours for me, it's 24, but I'm still doing it. So when I come, I come for a week, maybe two weeks. And for example, I just came from a week and I was able to do the due diligence to meet brokers, a coffee, going over what they have. And I was also in a seminar for networking, right? I was in a seminar. It's a newbie seminar, but was enabled for me to network with others, just kind of like you Americans. I'm trying to do. Like, I believe Israel is another state of the United States. So that's how I look at this. So yeah, so everything is, I'm sourcing the deals from brokers. And the reason brokers, you know, it's all about being persistent and show that you are working. So they doesn't mind that I live in Israel. They see that every deal they give me on the market, I'm underwriting and give them feedback. And we talk. Some of them, we see we are close, so I'm making an offer. So they see me active and active and active and active and active until one day they say, okay, we have this deal. Remember the deal you underwrote like three months ago? The buy didn't close. Do you want to take the deal? Because I underwrote the deal. We participate. I was professional. I have the track record. I'm getting the deal. That's how I see it. I'm looking at this as statistics. I need to be in front of the brokers as much as I can, underwrite as many deals as I can, making offers all the time. And, you know, it's like sales. You have a conversion rate. It doesn't matter if it's 5% or half percent or 0.01%. It's still conversion. So it will, a deal will come. How often do you visit the States and visit your properties? Every two months. I'm trying to do that every two months. It depends, but I'm very active. So for example, I came like three times in the last four months. So depends. Okay. And how did that work with COVID? I'm assuming that there was at least a small amount of time where you weren't able to, yeah. to travel out here. Were you able to still buy deals? Did you stop buying deals? How did that affect you? So last year, I didn't fly. I was cautious. I didn't want to do that, especially for taking care of my... I'm not afraid for me, but I have responsibility for my wife and kids. 
right? So I didn't want to take the chance to be ill or something will happen. So I didn't do it, but we still try to underwrite and make offers. The market was really like it, it almost stops and didn't stop, you know? So mm-hmm. we weren't able to get really the traction, but at the beginning of the, of the year, I think we started getting more and more deals. And after I did the second shot of the, forgot the name, antivirus. Yeah. So I flew in and now I got the third shot. So I was able to come again and I wasn't afraid. Did you purchase anything over the last 12 months during COVID? So now I'm under contract. So yeah. But before that, I made offers. I was investing final. The market was crazy. People were putting hard money, no early access. One million dollar in early access, non-refundable, and you know sometimes you can't compete with that, and that's okay if somebody want to take the risk in a 1970 build. Go ahead, do that. <laughs> you know. So how are you dealing with some of those challenges? Obviously, we deal in the Arizona market. You see a million dollars hard quite frequently now. What are some of the things that you're doing to battle those challenges? Because obviously, like you said, if you're putting a million hard down on a 1970s product, it's 60 years old. That's a 50, 60 years old. That's a tough pill to swallow sometimes. So what are some of the things you're doing differently to separate yourself and being able to still you know, get 200 plus unit properties under contract? So... It's two things. One, if it's 2000, let's say it's a 2000 building up, I will do non-refundable. I will not put 100 million, but I'll do. But uh, the state of mind that I am in is I will do my best. And if my offer is not accepted, I'm not getting frustrated. I used to long time ago, but I, you know, solved that. I told myself it's not about the results. It's about the process. Mm-hmm. So I do what the best I can. And if I get in, get the deal. I didn't get the deal. I will get the deal eventually, right? So the deal I'm working off was an off-market deal. I'm actually almost the only one who worked on the deal. or I'm the only one who told the deal. My management company told the deal. So, you know, I always say that. It's a statistics and, you know, keep pushing, do your best. And if it's 2000, I will go non-refundable, but somebody else can come with a higher non-refundable. What can you do? All right. Lolita is going to take us into our final four questions. Are you ready? Sure. I'm always ready. I'm born ready. (laughs) Choosing the right insurance coverage for multifamily properties isn't that complicated, if you know who to talk to. At the Garzella Group, we're uniquely qualified to help you navigate the range of policy choices you have, and we're committed to saving you 30% in the process. We do intensive market research and have nationwide relationships, so we can find coverage other insurance brokers simply can't. We should talk. Go to quotenow.biz and we'll start the conversation. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Rafi, here we go. What is the one tool you use in real estate investing that you could not do without? I don't know. For me, a tool is being honest with myself and others. I think to be in this business... There is a lot of competitions. Brokers are being competed with each other. Buyers are being competed. Everybody's competing. But I said, I want to be a good person to myself and others. So honesty is the tool. And I see being honest and say the rough truth sometimes, right? To a broker, to a seller, to everybody is the greatest tool ever. This and consistent. So I have a very good reputation for that, using that tool. Can you tell us a story about maybe one of your biggest mistakes in real estate investing so far and the main takeaway for our listeners? Wow. So many mistakes, you know. (laughs) 
to choose on. I think I can take something uh, lately, a mistake I did. Well, a mistake is something that you see after. So it's all about that. So we did a deal. And one of the deals we are selling is we took an agency loan. And we didn't know we can sell it in two and three years. And now we have a pre-penalty, which is crazy. We are still going to make a crazy return for the investors, but we could have done more. So my mistake was to try to think on options, what would happen in two years. Well, I don't have to call it mistakes because nobody knew two years ago, two and a half years ago, that the market will go that far, mm-hmm. right? Very fast. But maybe, maybe think more over about the possibility that you can sell in three years and the penalty is too crazy. So check the options, what to do with that. What is it that you need to do now to grow your life to the next level? Actually, I love my life. (laughs) I don't know. So about life, I'm very appreciated with my family, my kids, you know, I'm in a position, you know, I'm financial free, right? And uh, for me, freedom is to do whatever we want with the kids. So to take my life over, it's more of a challenge as a business. Yeah. So next level is to grow my team, maybe find a partner to work on, to go scaling to bigger deals. But it's a challenge, but it's nothing compared to family. That's the most important thing for me. Great. And lastly, Rafi, where can people find out more about you? They can reach out to me in my website, proudcommunities.com. There is a way to schedule a call. They can schedule a call with me if they want. I would glad help people. That's why I'm here for. Perfect. Well, Rafi, thanks for sharing your incredible journey with us today. We really appreciate you being on the show. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. You can also go to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate group on Facebook so you can connect with Kyle and Lolita and ask your questions that you want them to answer on the show. Subscribe too so that you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, to stay updated, head on over to aptcapitalgroup.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with Kyle and Lolita, sign up on the Contact Us page so you can talk to them directly. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode.